Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Hey, uh, Jim, I'm going to do a quick reader here to start us off. In Baltimore, Maryland, it has been reported that from 2014 to 2017, dispatch records show the number of suspected narcotics offenses police reported themselves dropped by 30%. The number of people they reported seeing with outstanding warrants dropped by 50%. The number of field interviews dropped by 70%. Um, This is what I've written on and you've written on, I believe. Um, This is de-policing, and it's happening all over the country. It's not exclusive to Baltimore, but it's significantly, from appearances from 3,000 miles away, it appears to me to be significantly worse there than in many other places. Um, Few rival it. Uh, In September of last year, 37 people were murdered. Uh, crime in Baltimore has gone bananas. The property theft has gone bananas. Dealing of drugs has gone bananas. Assaults have gone bananas. The city's gone bananas. And what happens is, is this puts the the, the citizenry of that fair city, and I spent a considerable amount of time there when I lived on the East Coast, Charm City. Um, it puts those citizens in danger. So it's it's just a terrible, terrible disservice. And it's all a result of de-policing, which comes from officers having more fear of what might happen after an incident, like either going to jail, getting jacked up on charges, getting fired, um, than the incident that, that's in front of them themselves. And so why bother doing a vehicle stop? Um, you know, there was last year, there was a story, I'm just going to go off the top of my head, remembering... Um, off-duty firefighter saw a squad car, um, went up to the, the officer and said, hey, I just saw a man with a gun and he's around the corner. And the officer didn't do anything, didn't go anywhere, didn't, didn't call it, didn't do, didn't do anything. Now, following Ferguson, I used to joke, you, you know, you can't get fired for doing nothing. I wish this officer well and that they aren't fired or disciplined, but it's one thing to not stop a car for a taillight. It's another thing to not go out and see if there's a dangerous person with a gun wandering the sidewalks of you know, the, the the city late at night. Um, you've done a lot on this. What, do you, what are your thoughts on de-policing in general and what's going on in Baltimore in specifics? Well, Baltimore caught my eye when the dominoes just continued to fall one right after another. And We saw it start a few years ago when the um, U.S. Department of Justice came out with this scathing report um, criticizing the department and gave them a list of reforms and said that this is what you're going to do if you're ever going to receive any sort of federal funding again. Uh, Then we saw it uh, almost immediately after when the state attorney general filed charges unprecedented against a number of officers for causing the death of a, an inmate while in custody. Uh, all of the officers were either acquitted or- Charges were dropped. Charges were dropped mm-hmm. altogether. So those two things happened. Uh, the the other the other wave that hit them is, is a wave that's hitting a lot of departments all across the country, and that is attrition, that uh, the recruitment uh, rate isn't high enough to get new officers in to stem the flow of the officers going out the back door. So you've got a shortage of cops. You've got the morale of uh, the attorney general um, charging officers with, uh, I mean, you can be the, you could be the judge on it. 
whether or not they had enough facts to, to charge, it seems unlikely since no one went to jail. Uh, a number of different chiefs have gone through the system. They've had five in four years. Five in four years. Um, the understaffing, uh, the 300 homicides. Uh, if you do a per capita check on Baltimore with the 300 homicides, that's a that's a big number for a city that's under, I'm, I'm thinking, 600,000. About that, yeah. Uh, the only number I can compare to that in a big city San Francisco, about 800,000 people. We ha- and we average about 50 to 60 homicides a year. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's been averaging 300 over the past four years. And then the, the topper for me was the the school district uh, saying they, they did not want armed police officers, police officers or school resource officers in the schools. And we had a similar fight here in California. We had a fight uh, when I was the captain of our juvenile division in in uh, the year 2000. Uh, we fought this uh, battle with our own school board who said they don't want anyone to be on campus with a gun, including police officers. And uh, I don't know who orchestrated it, but hundreds of kids were bused into San Francisco with uh scripts that were either written by them or someone else that addressed adult theme charges against law enforcement. Mm-hmm. So there were there were definitely uh, adults who who had um, some some influence on what was said about police officers. Well, we beat it and we we have a successful school resource officer program in San Francisco. In Baltimore, that's yet to be seen. But since the outing or the ousting mm-hmm. of SROs or or armed law enforcement officers, as fate or karma or Murphy's Law, whatever you want to call it, there was a shooting uh, just a few days later. Yeah. And I saw a report uh, in researching the topic uh, that there is a correlation between um, kids, uh, you know, not in school. Uh, or at, you know significant absenteeism and the violence committed by youth outside of the school. Uh, that's that should surprise nobody. <laughs> that should not that should not be a surprise. Um, you know, the, I let me caveat this with: in any other city in America, I would be considered a raging liberal. In San Francisco, I'm somewhere right of I don't know Genghis Khan. Um, and I rarely want to talk politics on the podcast, or frankly in in my life, uh, try to keep it. But here's the deal. There are so many, so we'll back up. These policies are put in place by politicians. Politicians have one, the, the primary objective is to stay in office. Everything else is secondary. Now, in order to stay elected, you have to do the stuff that their electorate wants you to do. Baltimore is overwhelmingly um, liberal and overwhelmingly uh, Again, now it's been 25 years since I've lived there. It may have changed. I sincerely doubt it, but I've, I have personal experience in being there. I can tell you from my experience that that was my observation. Now, the, so the, these policies and these aggression against police by politicians and the press and the public, um, obviously, if you know, when you have all of those things, a confluence of those those pressures. 
police are not going to be incentivized to do proactive policing. They're not going to be incentivized to to go that extra step in a, in a field interview and see what's what, you know, do, or do a Terry stop, you know, do a traffic stop, because all it means for them is potentially trouble. Um, it, it, and then what you get is the people who have elected the politicians who make the policies <laughs> have failed miserably in protecting their city and they've failed in their their poverty programs their uh, homelessness programs the, the the city is a mess in my opinion when you have the politicians responding to the demands of the public the public can't stand the police we saw that in the crazy protests following the death of Freddie Gray that you had mentioned. Um, it, it just is such an environment that's so toxic to police. And as you'd mentioned, there's the attrition rate and you can't hire people. How, how would you be able to hire someone to work there? Why would you want to work there? You know, it's it just really, it just seems to me to be something there has to change. Yeah, and, and in the case of the SROs, the kids are the losers. The kids are the losers. Uh if, if you're in a school in a in a, uh, a neighborhood that's not so safe, um, who's going to go out and stand there and protect the kids in school from those out of school? Or kids in school who decide they've got a, a beef and yep. they bring a weapon or, or there's some other uh, incident. So hopefully um, cooler heads prevail. Uh, they allow the officers uh, on school grounds with their weapons. Um We've talked about topics like this before, and, and I know the, the listeners tend to lean uh, in on, um, on, on how they feel about um, uh, the outside influences and, and, their, and their, their motivation is internal. They want to do uh, policing as they know it, and they're going to continue to do policing. And I know there's a group that will say, hey, if they don't want us there, we won't go there. And they want us to keep on driving. We'll do that, too. So I hope that uh, the law enforcement officers in the Baltimore area don't get their heads down. They see this for what it is. They continue to do the work and they don't give in. Uh, the kids will really suffer as a result of, of this kind of decision. Yeah. Um, do you work in Baltimore? Do you work in a city that's like Baltimore? Because there are others, you know, uh, that are that are so substantially anti-police, and it's led to, um, you know, the increases in crime that come when you stop doing law enforcement activities. Um, send us an email to policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com.